Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I, Charles IV, or is it the third? Bloody bitch. We will strive for the detoxification of the Let me put it to you. Just a Yes, If you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. It is time to draw I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question... The fuck is going on? The chair of Water UK says we have listened to the public and they are right to be upset about the sewage in our rivers and on our beaches. Because sometimes you just don't know that you're doing something a little bit antisocial until it's pointed out to you. Your bag might be in the way on a train. It's only when another passenger says, "Uh, excuse me, can I move this, please, that you realise. And it's the same thing with pouring hundreds of tonnes of turds onto a beach. It's only when members of the public say, excuse me, I came here for a swim and now I look like a prisoner from a freedom fighting group staging a dirty protest in their cell, that you say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I've poured a town's worth of shit into the water. Water UK says it will try and cut the number of sewage spill incidents by 140,000 a year before 2030. So other industries should employ the same rigorous targets. If a restaurant poisons 30% of its customers because it serves prawns that are eight months past the use-by date and accidentally puts diesel on the salad instead of olive oil, they can say... We are hoping to reduce the incidence of violent retching that are caused by us by 140,000 a year before 2030. Now, the sewage spills work out at 824 per day. So this has made a day out on the beach or in the countryside a gamble. It's exciting. It'll end up as a game show on Channel 5. A presenter should announce, for today's contest, we've taken six contestants for a day out on Britain's beaches or in the countryside. The three lucky winners will have a lovely time splashing about and enjoying a picnic. But our losers will suddenly find their children crying, Mummy, Daddy, why am I covered in clumps of hair and dried chip fat and used tampons? Water UK have added to their apology by saying water bills will have to rise to cover the work that has to be done to reduce this sewage pouring everywhere. And that seems fair. Just as if you run a florist and sometimes a customer buys a bunch of tulips and when you give it to them, you also squirt diarrhoea at them through a hose. If they want to get their clothes cleaned, you should charge them extra. Why should you have to take money out of your profits just because they're too la-di-da to walk around smelling of your faeces? Since the water industry was privatised, the companies have made £66 billion in profits and they've been worth every penny. They've educated our children who can now experience what life was like in the 14th century and they've made festivals like Glastonbury so much more enticing because as well as seeing the Arctic monkeys on the pyramid stage, you can go to the temporary toilets 
and savour the smell of human waste and think, ah, it's nowhere near as foul as the last weekend away we spent at Bexhill on Sea. Oh, what the fuck, oh, what the fucking fuck is going on? This week, official figures showed that the number of Britons not working due to long-term illness has hit an all-time high. And a lot of people are very worried about this, especially this woman who I overheard in a cafe. Well, I heard Richard Maidley on Good Morning Britain say there's a record number of people off work with long-term sickness, and I thought, tell me about it. The nanny's been off for two hours just because she fell off a ladder and broke her leg. Well, if she doesn't know how to install a satellite dish, that's her own fault. We gave her the instructions. And Colin can't be at home because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Reigate area. And he's also been doing some DIY jobs for Tara from the spin class while she recovers from her back problems. So I suppose I'll have to stay at home and look after Nectarine. And I had some very important shopping to do. The Hendersons are having a barbecue and I want to get them a present they absolutely hate to pay them back for buying me that hideous rhinoceros statue. I took it to the charity shop and they wouldn't give me any money for it at all. And someone has to look after Nectarine because she's been off school for eight weeks now with long-term teenage dysfunctional attitude screaming syndrome, which is a real condition because Calvados, our homeopath, has tried putting two drops of pulsatilla and badger sweat in a can of Red Bull and even that didn't work. But the school have no sympathy at all just because they saw that video Nectarine posted on TikTok of her skateboarding on the roof of a warehouse. But that's the trouble with people these days. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me, can I have another chair? This one's damaging my spine and the doctor says I mustn't lift anything for the next 20 years. It is well known amongst the uh, academic world that it is impossible to find out what the fuck is going on without expert advice. You can't do it on your own like Isaac Newton did with physics, which is a relatively simple subject. But... I am lucky that with me today is Sally Ann Haywood. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> Isaac what New- the fuck is going on? What? Yeah, sorry. What the fuck is going on? Isaac Newton, it's funny you should say that because I've just been busy sorting out some sort of phys- physics this morning on my own. So I'm with him. Have you have you been sort of discovering the uh, the laws of motion? Yeah, yeah, I have. I've spent all morning doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you how I was doing it, by sleeping. I was sleeping. Oh, that's all. That's what he did. Apparently, yeah. Slept for four days. Woke up. Talked about a dream about an apple. Now he's fucking famous. Yeah, that's all you've got to do, Mark. Where, mm. where are we going wrong? Um. So now, uh, you're in Bristol. Yeah. But we'll come to that in a minute. And what have you been doing this morning? Well, do you know what? I was going to go to hot yoga this morning. I said to you last right. night. Oh, I'll be. I'll do this after hot yeah. yoga. And I was supposed to set my alarm alarm for five fifty to go to hot yoga, which starts at half six. But I set I was so tired last night. I set my alarm for six fifty. So I woke up at six fifty, having missed hot yoga, but also annoyed that I'd woken up early. You know, like I, I, <laughs> the worst of all worlds. Yeah. Well, that's why I've been going to hot punctuation. No, hot punctuality lessons. Yes. It's 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 marvelous. You go in a hall and you all set an alarm, and you just. And then you all have to get up when it's your turn to compare. You, you know, and you sweat the sweat. And it, I've been, I've lost five stone. Well done. And, and I would have failed that, wouldn't I? I would have failed hot punctuality. So I fucked it up this morning. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast, but I'm assuming yeah, uh, having known you. You are absolutely not allowed to swear on a podcast whose title is What the Fuck is Going On? No, that is absolutely not. 
not permitted. All right, all right. This so this was um my my week, part of my week. So I went to Paris Ooh. to uh watch Bruce Springsteen and uh, <laughs> which is brilliant. But I booked an Airbnb and I'd never done this before. And uh, 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 so I took this bloke, a mate, who for, you know, for really, it was, which, which was great that he, he'd come with us for uh, all sorts of reasons. And he he's sort of the same age as me. And he just, luckily, he's one of these people who just finds disaster absolutely hilarious. So the, there were three instructions to get into the flat. An outer door, an intermediate door, and then an inner door. And each one had a different set of instructions with a digi code. And um, the first one wasn't too bad. I just pressed the digi code on the pad outside and then it worked. So I felt an enormous sin. I felt a bit like Indiana Jones yeah. when he's got passed through the first the first trial. That was simpler than I thought. But now you've got the three-headed dog and that going, now you must put <laughs> Now you must solve the riddle of Pazanzimum. Oh, take a, so then it was, um, and then it was, I, I had to dial a number. So that fucked me head for a start. I had to dial a number, but the number had a plus in it. And I thought, well, he's got that wrong. Numbers don't have a plus in them. Dial they don't be- the number. What do you mean dial it? Like I on had a phone? To, on my phone. Oh. And, it's, and it was a long number. It was about 18 let, uh, numbers. And a plus, plus in the middle. No. And that, and then the door would open. So I, I didn't believe it. And and also, because it's, it's all in French. So I do speak French, but because I'm doubting, I'm doubting myself if I misread this. So I, I, then I, so I sort of, and the bloke's going, you've got it wrong, Mark. And I was going, no, I don't know. And he's laughing and laughing and I'm dialing mental numbers and ringing random people. And, and then I, and then, Someone came down and just let us in. They must have heard us and gone, who these idiots? <laughs> and then I rang. I was on the phone for about half an hour about how it worked. And then I found that you can dial a plus. Can Did you? you know this? Yeah. You hold the naught down for about 10 seconds and it turns into a plus you, and you dial a plus. But only if it's at the beginning. I didn't know that you could have a plus in the middle of a number. No, I think, well, it was maybe at the oh, beginning. Oh, at the beginning. All right. But have you heard of it then? Yeah. Dialing a plus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't dial a sum. What's your number? Seven times eight is 56. That's not a number. That's a, that's a sum. <laughs> no, the two noughts, you can do it as a plus, isn't it? When you see the, oh, I did know that. I feel like, oh, I feel I'm young again. I knew oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the producer's nodding. Pete, the producer's nodding. I can see him. We all knew, Mark. We knew about the plus. However, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> However, why are they making you ring a number to get through the, just the second door? Though that's, I mean, even yeah. at that point, uh, surely they should be just. There should just be either another digi code, a key, or <laughs> you've already got through the front door. That's wrong. Yeah, exactly. But they, and then there was a third one. Yeah, and this had a sort of a doorknob with a load of numbers Balls on coming the door at you. Did you have to go? <laughs> Yeah, you've got to catch. You've got to catch five in a row, yeah. and you get. And you've got, and they come out of random places like bits of guttering and stuff, and that, and that. And then you've got to answer a series of questions about fifteenth-century architecture. Yes. Now, so there is too much security, isn't there, in the modern world? What do you mean? 
Right. Well, like that, that's unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's going to get through two of those things, what was there in that house? The Mona Lisa? Yeah. What do you know? What? Yeah. What was there? What was there? What was in that house that was? Was what? Did you see anything? No, just some cups and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some cheap cups as well. They're not going to put yeah. pricey stuff in there, are they? No, they're not. I'm. A, I used to Airbnb my flat out, and I might do it again uh, before the pandemic when I was away. <laughs> And I thought, well, I'm going to have to lock everything away. Oh, And then I went to a friend of mine who does the same. And I said, what do you do with all your stuff? She went, we just leave it all out. And then I thought, do you know what? Who wants my stuff anyway? Like, really? Like, when I thought about it, I thought, there's nothing. It's not, like, once the clothes have left my flat, they're in, that's charity, isn't it, really? Nobody wants them. So I just That'll left it all. Quite- It'd be quite a thing to book up an Airbnb and then nick everybody's yeah. pants. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just think, you know, think, I need some pants. And if you've seen the price of them, I'll tell you what we could do. You know, we're sort of going away to Bristol. Why don't we book up an Airbnb? Take and, off the, and off the off they're one of the people who doesn't lock up the pants drawer. We they're can the, take theirs. And hopefully they're the same size as us. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we, then we've had a night in Bristol and it's paid for itself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the pants we <laughs> Well, we've got pants now. What should we get next? <laughs> yeah, we need to get someone who's got a wooden spoon. Yeah. What else do we need? <laughs> Secateurs. Sounds like a wedding, <laughs> a wedding list, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. But security, what are we talking about? Security. Yeah, I don't know. I think we need, yeah, I think you're right. I think we need to go back. Well, we certainly need to go back to keys, don't we, really? Oh, oh. The world of keys would be so brilliant. Yeah. In hotels, when you get the little beep thing, and it's so often it doesn't work. Yeah, and then and they have to go back down again, don't you? You've been on the, you've got all the way up to the, yeah. and also you know some of these lifts. <laughs> you have to go into the lift. You have to beep your key, don't you? Yeah, you to can't get do in anything. You're not allowed to have a shit without the key. No. You got to have a shit, and then the the key locks your bowel up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> your bowels <laughs> don't open. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> you've got to put in the right digi code. Oh, fuck it out. I've got to put a digi code and it's got like an algebra thing in it. How do you get an algebra thing on the digi code? I'm fucking busting here. You put the percentage in the wrong place, Mark. It oh, gets up to the five. It's all shut down now. <laughs> and then you get it right and your bum opens. <laughs> oh, God, that was touch and go. <laughs> that's what's going to be. That's, give it five years. That's what it's going to be like. We won't be alive. We'll have been long gone by then. Just out of the reason, the only reason we'll be long gone is because we'll have constipation because we haven't been able to go to the loo. Yeah, we haven't been yeah. able to do the digi code, and, um, and we'll be living in a wheelbarrow. So we'll be yeah. cold. Now, so did uh, did you watch Eurovision at all? No, I watched it. I watched the huts at the very end of it. I watched Sweden win, and they were sort of. Right. They were neck and neck with Finland, weren't they? They were kind of who's going to win, oh, who's right. going to win, Finland or Sweden. And that was it. But then I heard the British entry, May, is her name May something? Yeah. I really liked it. I heard it afterwards. I was like, as it was playing on the radio, I thought this should have been a Eurovision entry. And then they went and that was the Eurovision entry. I went, oh. <laughs> 
and it came second from bottom. Yeah, we always lose, don't we? It's political, isn't it? Really, that's well. It used to be like after the Iraq War, everyone voted naught for us for a while, and then I think Brexit probably didn't help. But yeah. you know, who'd have thought if you go around calling everyone a bunch of arseholes that they don't vote for you? Yeah. <laughs> So you've ruined our country and the sooner we <laughs> fucking leave you shit faces alone, yeah. the more we'll be booming like we always used to and we stood alone in 1940s, but you fucking wankers who let Hitler fucking roll all over you because you can't be bothered. <laughs> Who'd have thought that after that, they go, well, I'm not voting for your yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> And they don't say that when they, because I was listening to a radio interview and they're saying the reason that um, nobody ever votes for um, Great Britain is because we apparently we produce the best music anyway. So they're going, no, they always get the best music. And that's what they were saying on the radio. And I was like, it's nothing oh. to do with that. Of course it's nothing. It's Brexit, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah, probably doesn't help. But uh, I didn't listen to but, but Pete just uh, suggested I look at this, the Croatian entry um, just this morning. Hmm. And it is, I would absolutely urge everybody to look at the Croatian yeah. entry. It's like a piece of Dardarist art. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something, actually, or Frank Zappa, if you're familiar with that, mm. a bit like that. And it starts with someone looking a bit like Frank Zappa, a Croatian person, singing what I suspect is Croatian for Mummy, I Want a Tractor. Amazing. And, uh, <laughs> and it turns out, and then someone comes on who I think is supposed to be Putin, and he's got all these missiles. Oh. And I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a sort of um, radical political statement about the about the weapons industry, in particular the Russians. I don't know how that slipped through. Imagine, imagine if it really, <laughs> that it's no sort of political statement at all. It's just <laughs> somebody just escaped yeah. from a fucking high security home that didn't yeah. have a, the digi code just yes. all the computers didn't work they haven't so they just slept <laughs> for months because they haven't been able to get back in <laughs> they're hallucinating but we've decided we've thought yeah. oh this is a real statement of the world so there we are I think we've covered everything that you could yeah, possibly cover uh, what are you doing at the moment that we can all come and um, witness um, I'm gigging all over the place. I will be touring um, in the autumn with a show called Egg Shortage. <laughs> um, and um, I, um, I've got a podcast called Spit or Swallow, and it's about drink tasting. Okay. And, um, um, and what else? What else? Oh, you can listen to me on Tell Teresa on BBC Sounds. That was a radio show I did earlier this year. Which loads was, of things. Yeah, loads of stuff. <laughs> And don't you go to Prague? Last time I saw you, you were just about to go to Prague and do and Oslo or something. I, well, this weekend I'm going to I'm flying to Stockholm on Friday, and we're going to Helsinki on Saturday. That's with the Comedy Store. Yeah. I don't know if we have any listeners in Stockholm. I think we have a few. Oh well, then come and see me. I don't know where I'm on though. That's rubbish, isn't it? But it's the Comedy Store in Stockholm. Helsinki is only tiny. Yeah, Helsinki. They'll find me. They'll just see me mm. getting off the plane, probably, <laughs> won't they? They will. <laughs> Thank you so much for explaining what the fuck is going on. Sally Ann Haywood, thank you. Thank you. On this podcast, we always like to be positive about the tremendous things that are happening in this great country of ours. And so we're delighted to bring you another extract from the post-Brexit diaries of Britain's most patriotic man, Nigel Boulevard. This week... I took a stroll across the glorious fields of Westrum in Kent and was reminded that we have the best fields in the world. I've been to France and Italy 
and their fields are soggy and dirty and frankly quite pathetic. As I was watching the majestic cows that ambled around one of the fields, I felt a surging sense of pride because they were shaped as cows should be, with big sturdy rumps and four legs and a tail, unlike the triangular cows we were forced to endure during the years that we were in the European Union. Time after time after time, I objected to the crazy regulation that slithered out of Brussels that said all cattle had to conform to the EU measurement of three equal sides. I wrote literally hundreds of letters to the European Agricultural Board asking if we could at least let them have a tail. But no, they were adamant that would upset the angles and Europeans like to eat triangular beef. So that was that. So this week I wrote to the European Union Cow Office in Strasbourg telling them how delighted I am that we can once again enjoy watching cows moo out of their irregular shaped mouths rather than the squeaky noise they were forced to make out of a 60 degree angle. And I posted it in a good old British post box, bright red and with a hole in it, unlike the ones we were forced to have by the European Union that were pink and made of sand. Mine's a pint of tangle scrotum. Cheers! Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you that we are able to continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you'd like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant, saintly souls for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or to really know at a high elite level for just £4 a month, you will get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews and bonus sketches. This week, there's Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chislehurst Oxyacetylene with a remarkable revelation about the new King Charles. And you'll get discounts on live shows, which we will be doing more of later in the year. Promise. Also, you'll get the episodes on Friday nights. Unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday mornings and thereby spend all of Friday night frothing and eating cushions to make the night pass by. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. And now the point of the week at which people weep and, and kneel with gratitude much like the time for prayers for various religious denominations that will that will seek solace in this particular moment on their particular sabbath and and they will feel themselves in touch with their particular deity now it is the time for the announcements there aren't really any announcements but i wonder if that happens maybe in churches and in synagogues and mosques if the Imam, the rabbi, the priests, some weeks they must go, nothing much has happened really. I mean, there's all the stuff in the Bible, but I mean, that was a long time ago and we've covered most of it really in the sermons that I've given over the last 28 years. There's not a new thing, is there? <laughs> not like Moses has done anything new since last Sunday. <laughs> but I do have, the well, they are sort of, I suppose, the same announcements as last week and that I'm doing some live shows around the around the country they're the same ones i was doing except the ones that have since happened uh, so i'm doing 
uh, Croydon, Fairfield Halls. Oh, there's only a little handful of, handful of tickets left for that one. Uh, that's on the 26th of May. And then on the 3rd of June, there's Brighton, the Theatre Royal. Beautiful, beautiful theatre. You can go to that. If you don't like the show, put your headphones on. Listen to Nick Cave, who lives up the road. And you can uh, just look at the beautiful balcony. That'll do. And also, you'll be up in the gallery. The tickets now are up in the uh, gallery, which is lovely up there. Uh, and then I'm going to Lancaster on the 17th. That was only sort of put in late. So there's still a few tickets left for that one. And then Telford, I think, on the 23rd of June. And Workington at some point. I'm not quite sure when that is. And I think there's a little handful of tickets left for the Warwick Arts Centre in Coventry on one of those dates in May. I get all the May dates mixed up. Oh, the number of times I go dancing round a maypole and they go, Mark, it's the 24th. Oh, shit. Uh, but it, it's one of those dates in May. I think the 28th is the Warwick, uh, Warwick Art Centre, sort of near Coventry, but not that near. There we are. That's pretty much made that absolutely clear where you have to go and what you have to do. Now, there are also people who have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with a multitude of things. A new Patreon supporter welcomed Michael Norman. If this was a proper cult, you would come in and, and kneel down and you would be anointed and we would wash your feet and you would ask your first question. But um, digitally, you are doing that. So, Michael says... I've just seen clips of Liz Truss in Taiwan spouting wisdom on what the government should be doing on everything. Putting aside the fact she has no idea what's going on about anything, are there, any, uh, are there other professions where it's normal for sacked employees to be encouraged to, uh, to carry on in, in this fashion? It's, it's true. She was sacked, not just sacked, but sacked ignominiously in the most appalling manner. Or she wasn't sacked in the most appalling manner, but sacked after being the most terrible prime minister and yet she's still sort of this and she's still sort of an mp and she's still there as an official emissary of the of the british government and stuff that is like a football manager who's come in and six weeks after they've come in they've lost every single game 24 nil and they just carry on being able to pick bits of the team and going no the defense shouldn't be doing that it is astonishing, or or maybe her advice is she's sort of screaming at Rishi Sunak, you've been in all this time and you haven't once crashed the entire economy. What's the matter with you? I crashed every, I lost all the money in the country and I managed to, and they killed the Queen. I quite agree. I was sacked when I was a milkman. I'm not normally, I know this probably isn't in keeping with trade union principles, but any decent person any decent trade unionist would have said, thank God he's got the sack. I, of course I should have been sacked. I was useless. I crashed the milk flow into a bridge. I lost all, I would miss whole roads out. I'd get back, think, I'm back early today and I've still got 31 crates of milk left on my flow. Oh, I've missed out the entire estate that is the main place that I'm supposed to deliver milk to. I forgot that bread was in the back of the thing and then served it to people four weeks after it was in there and they'd ring up the yard and say, the, the bread is entirely green, just three or four different shades of green that he delivered. It was terrible. For the good of humanity, I had to be sacked. I didn't carry on going around on the next bloke's round, sitting next to him, going, what's the matter with you? I'll, I'll go I'll start up a, a milk round in Taiwan 
poisoning them poor fuckers. I quite agree, Michael Norman, with your first question. Neil Harrison on Patreon says, how about Jacob Rees-Mogg moaning about the Tory voter ID scheme? Right, so this is the, uh, the the scheme whereby now you have to carry identification with you, picture identification with you before you're allowed to vote. And it's been pretty well established that there was bare, it, they say it was to eliminate fraud. They know that it's going to cut down on the number of people who vote in poorer areas that are not as likely to be voting conservative. Jacob Rees-Mogg admitted that it was a a gerrymandering move. It was a it was brought in in order to uh, make it to help the Conservative Party electorally. And um, he said, and Neil Harrison says, I find it funny. It backfired. But what the fuck is is going on there. Yeah, and then what marvellously, Jacob Rees-Mogg said, but the the Labour Party has uh, also done similar things, trying to increase the number of people who are voting, which will help them. That isn't the same, though, is it? Encouraging people to exercise their right to vote, that's not fiddling an election <laughs> in the same way as banning people from voting because you've brought in a new set of rules. If you say, I really hope that everybody who can vote uses their democratic right because it is crucial in a democracy that the maximum number of people vote, that is not the same as going, I have decided that no one under 5 foot 11 can vote. Those are two different things. When people like... Jesse Jackson in America tried to encourage black people to vote. That is a good thing. When <laughs> when segregationists over a hundred year period tried to stop black people from voting, that was a different thing. You fucking great spunk-faced Etonian twat. Tara Louise Chambers, another one of our Patreon supporters, says, oh dear, I do, oh I love this. This is like being the person who does the... Um, points of view thing back in the 80s. Meanwhile, Tara Louise Chamber uh, writes in, Dear BBC, I have absolutely had it with the signature tune of Hector's House. Can't you get something more lively? So, Tara Louise Chambers says, Oh dear, exclamation mark, wonderful start to any complaint. I do usually love the lively discussions between Mark and Elliot, but this week was a bit frustrating for anybody who knows anything about East Asian histories. For example, Beijing became the capital of what became known as China under the Ming Dynasty, and not as a result of the terrible massacre at Nanjing. I didn't know that. Thank you for enlightening me. I will pass it on to Elliot, who I can absolutely guarantee will take no notice. Then uh, Tara, Tara Louise says, buy the boy some history books for his birthday. I think I will. Do you know what? I think I will. Usually I get him something that he would appreciate, but instead... I think it's an excellent idea to get him six volumes on the history of China. Finally, Nick Taylor on Twitter says, can we have a spin-off pod? Mark and Elliot explaining events uh, from history. What the fuck was going on as a good ring to it? Now, there are a number of very good history pods uh, knocking about. Uh, My very good friends, Angela Barnes and John O'Farrell do a very good one. Um, But... Maybe we could do a little joint one from now uh, every now and again, or uh, you know, Elliot could be the sort of person in um, I don't know. There's probably a really academic history pod, where, you know, the sort of thing 
that Melvin Bragg used to do on Radio 4, probably still does. Uh, this afternoon, we're going to be discussing the uh, the King Tong Lang siege of 431 BC. With us is the uh, is the professor for uh, for ancient historical studies at SOAS, uh, Sir Norman uh, <laughs> Sir Norman Bantam. Uh, uh, alongside him is uh, Simon Sharma, and with him is Elliot Still. No, bruv, it's like it's not that, was it? It's like I think that them Persians and shit. They just like didn't. I don't know. Babylon was that the same? I think they were just off their tits. You get me in it, and then. Uh, and, uh, look, some of them Sicilians, they've just done too much care. Now, as the summer approaches, your mind might turn to many, many things, but no more important than the fact that if you want to know what the fuck is going on, you need the voice of the 26-year-olds, Generation Q over V times three squared, whatever that's called. Elliot Steele, as the representative of that generation, how are you today? Uh, I'm well. I'm well, thank you. And where are you today? Belfast. Wow. Where, where was you doing there? Uh, Lavery's. It's a really cool comedy club. Oh, I can tell you about the old days when we used to do Belfast. Oh, having to go through security checks. You didn't call it a gig unless you ended up Spending the night in the Crumlin Road jail. I'm I'm by Crumlin Road. Actually, that's where my hotel is. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's probably. You know what? The Crumlin Road jail has probably been converted into a hotel, hasn't it? <laughs> I bet it has. But now, just as you got there, you sent me a a message, a very sad message about um one you know one of ours is fallen, Andy Smart. Yeah, dear Andy. Yeah, I was I was with him last month uh, in Austria. Right. Um, and what so? So for people who people, people, I'm sure many people will know, but lots of people won't. So Andy Smart was first of all he was in the Vicious Boys in uh, in the he was the first <clears throat> the Vicious Boys were the first was the first act I ever saw amongst our sort of circle that people would come to see because it was them. You know they didn't just come to the club; they came because it was them. I think they were on the telly or something or other. Then they used to do all these sorts of was that um, Richard Morton. No, no, it no. wasn't with Richard Morton. No, it was with uh, Angelo. Right, okay. But I went to now. Look back at you know there was like a there was a venue of about hundred people or something, and it was full up every day. Wow, a hundred people coming to see them, the Vicious Boys, and then they got on the telly and they did the American football presenting at one point, and I think American present uh, American football presenters got really cross because they thought they weren't taking it seriously. And the more I got to know Andy Smart, the more <laughs> that was the most. That was the most ridiculous booking ever. So yes. to get in. can you imagine Andy Smart presenting a sports program? <laughs> well, he, 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 <laughs> for people who don't know, he really, he really liked a sort of. He liked a bit of fun. I think it's fair to say he liked uh, he liked a bit of alcohol and other things fueled fun. Yeah, he, and he did one night in a. We were we were in a bar. And it was like the last night of this this like trip we were doing. I was waiting with him, and uh, he went, oh, "Fucking hell, I'd love a pill." And I went, "I was like, no." And I was like, "Andy, you're sixty. <laughs> like, no, you can't do ecstasy." <laughs> and, like, and then he was like, "Ah, oh, you know." And then, but that was his like that. His philosophy was, "Let's just have fun." Which, yeah, 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 there is like a beautiful. So that was up a mountain, was it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was that was the beauty to his, you know. He wasn't a drug addict or anything like that. He was, but he was. No, no, he wasn't a drug addict. No, he wasn't a drug addict. He he did like to have ecstasy up a mountain where other people might have an oxygen mask or something. If he was going up, in fact, if he was going up Kilimanjaro, just at the point where it got a bit, oh, now you'll you need to have a few breaths of oxygen. He would have thought, can we not put a bit of MDMA in there? (laughs) But he was, he was the most fun person to be around, and he, you know, he, he was. Him and Steve Frost, they're, you know, we, we've always talked about them quite a bit, like, and I've always said it to them, like, and I'm glad I did, was their philosophy in stand-up within the craziness of show business is the best philosophy I've ever seen. Of, like, you know, you meet people who are driven, like, sociopathically to become famous. You meet all these uh, people who are insecure about where they are. And then their thing was like, do you want to have a bit? And that was it. Like that was their, but they were having fun. They were always having more fun than anyone else. And that, that always having fun. And that 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 rubbed off on everyone, I think, because then everyone would be like, "Yeah, fuck, should we get a beer with Andy and and Frosty?" Like, look, look. yes, I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know how many times I must have met him in my life. Maybe three hundred, and every single time ended up being more fun yeah. than if I'd not met. Him. So you could imagine if you sort of went in the laundrette and for some strange reason, you know. It, you bumped into Andy Smart, an hour later, you would quite possibly be dancing with the woman who ran the laundrette in the middle of the street. And I would be unaware that he'd probably have done some ecstasy with her. <laughs> I, right, so, and we played in this cricket team. I mean, I don't know, you, when you used to come and watch us, and did you ever play for the Dusty Flemings? No. Yeah, probably just too, too young. So he played in the Dusty Fleming International Hairstylists Eleven, which is the name of the show busy cricket team that uh, it, we both played in. And Andy Smart, I just wish that in these days maybe someone would have filmed it, but he took a catch on the boundary. So for anybody who doesn't know cricket, any catch on the boundary is difficult. Uh, you know, if you're not, you know, it can be quite tricky because the, the ball goes high, it's hard, and if you misjudge it. It will hurt, and most people end up flapping about and missing it. But he took this catch on the boundary while he was smoking a fag. Yeah. While he had a cigarette in, and he didn't even take, didn't move, didn't flinch, and he took this catch on the boundary and then held up the ball in one end and the cigarette in the other end while he was on the boundary, and that won unanimously moment of the year at the <laughs> subsequent awards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, he was, you know, just this, um, one of those people who like, you know, when they turned up in Edinburgh and stuff, they just made, they just made it a funner place, you know, and they just, they were all, him and him and Frosty and they always loved meeting new comedians. They were always like welcoming of everyone. You know, the comedy store players would put new, would put people through like they wouldn't like try hold on to what you know th- we're this group they'd always invite people to do it with them yeah yeah no they always did no they were and it, yeah it was i mean I, I don't know if there's what there is that people can see if they didn't see it but i would i'd certainly sort of have a look at the comedy store players i should think there's things online you could look at but they were an improvisation there is a sort of technique to it and actors i think get frustrated because they think well we all do improvisation but mm. but they made it such fun and i must have seen them 20 times and it was always 
Like, yeah. amazingly quick, but also just exactly that. And as particularly him and Steve Frost, it was just like, we're going to have a laugh. And um, yeah. I remember sort of, they, he was telling us, Andy Scott telling us about doing a, he did a cruise. Him and Steve Frost did this cruise around Barbados or something. And uh, they told us the money they were getting. And I thought, that's not much for being away for a week. And that, and he went, yeah, but it was fun. And yeah. uh, I thought, yeah, 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 that exactly. You're not thinking, what is this good for my career? You're thinking, will this be a laugh to be on a cruise going around the Caribbean doing improvisation to people who don't really want to hear improvisation. <laughs> <laughs> he also, you know, he gave up like his Christmas to go help at soup kitchens and stuff. It, that, yeah, so he did have yeah. a bad streak. <laughs> and he supported Farnborough. He was a big fan of Farnborough, who played yeah. whatever it is, the Hampshire and District Roundtree Fruit Pastel Conference or whatever it is. Um, uh, yeah, he was a big fan of them. Yeah, so it was always, it was always you know, like the very opposite of I'm going to be, be glamorous. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, and in a way, living like that is the most glamorous thing of all, I would say. He was, he, he was like, I don't, I, yeah, I think, like, let's play it for you listen to this. He was, he was one of those, one of those ones where you go, like, it's one of those ones where you go, oh, fuck, like, I, I forgot that, I didn't know that would happen because you just always have so much fun with them and, like, they're such a part of the, of the UK comedy scene. Like what they do and who you know what, who they talk to and not what they do who they talk to so like the the way that they were in comedy was just uh, he was electric like to be around like in just a fun way and that that's what's really taken back from people because there's some there's some people I'll be honest who could die I, I wouldn't notice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, really? well, I'll tell you oh, what, if there's, anybody, around. if there's anybody in a position of influence in English cricket, I think at least one day of the Ashes this year, uh, I think that all the players should line up on the boundary and take a catch while smoking a fag in the honour of <laughs> Andy Smart. Thank you very much, <laughs> Elliot Steele. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review in uh, in ancient ink with calligraphy and everything like a monk. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the Fuck is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Sally Ann Haywood and Elliot Steele, voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Downing. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the Fuck is Going On was brought to you by WTF Productions. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.